Welcome on in to the Super Sunday Night Edition of Today's Sports. Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. It's Tim Unglesby and Ryan with you every Sunday night, of course. Las Vegas, Nevada, and my co-host over a decade now, TomBartonSports.com's own Tom Barton. Look, we're going to have a loaded two-hour show to get you ready for the week. Week seven in the NFL. We're going to talk about the World Series. Let's get the the the, uh, the non sports stuff out of the way. Tom, this is our last show until November. We're going to take next weekend off for the holiday, so we're going to go out with a bang. It's going to be a nice long, but very I think very full two hours here tonight. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we have off all next week. We won't be back for a little while. It's like you know what, Tim? It, it's our bye week, right? I mean, you know, yeah. we had. It, we had some 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 guys have some bye weeks uh, in the NFL this week. You know, Minnesota, Philadelphia, um, and uh, uh, you know, the Eagles and the Bills had bye weeks this week, right? So we get our bye week next week. It, it, time to rest, rest up, come up with a new game plan, coming back out of the break. Yeah, definitely a bye week. And when we come back, look, you know how the sports world goes. There's always something going on, but. You can always stay in touch with us over on Twitter at HW Sports, at Tom Barton Sports. And speaking of Tom Barton Sports, we'll leave the show off this way. How about TomBartonSports.com, folks? If you have, if you dabble in wagering on sports, which I know you do, how about Tom Barton Sports, Tommy? 3-0 and today, sweep the board in the NFL. Sweep the board in the NFL, plus I gave away a free bet on Believe Podcast Network, which was a winner. I gave away a free bet on Jose Volante's show, Straight Bet Sports. Free winner today. I gave a free bet on my radio show today. I said, take Tennessee for the first quarter. There were stats. Take Tennessee for the first quarter, first half, and or end for the game. Boom. Winner, winner, winner. I gave away four prop plays as well to some members. Those all won. When I tell you a perfect, perfect day and absolutely perfecto today at TomBartonSports.com. And guys, if you're listening for the first time, okay, I have told you when I've had bad weeks. And last week was a bad week. I've told you when I've had bad Sundays, okay? But when I have good ones, they go like this. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I didn't get one single game wrong this week. The best thing about Tom Barton Sports is it's a one-package deal. So if it's football, college or pro, you get it. NHL, you get it. NBA, if that's even started, you get it. We got college basketball coming up, Tom. This is the time of year. Every sport going. Yeah, and you know, you said 3-0. That, that's a great point. You said 3-0 at Tom Barton Sports Day, but I actually went 4-0, Tim, because as you know, I had Phillies to win the series at plus 120 before the series began. So my members also cashed that as well. So you know, just tack that on to the amazing, ridiculous, ridiculous day that I absolutely are. I'm coming down from, and you can hear my voice. You know, I'm always an animated guy. I have, uh, I had to go to my daughter's cheerleading this morning. We have playoff games this weekend for little league. I am working on about two and a half to three hours of sleep right now. And I am jazzed up because we had just a ridiculous day. Tom, how do you do it? You have baseball, you have college football, NFL. I mean, we're already tonight. Perfect example tonight. At some point during this show, I get a text from you that says "early looks for next week." I already know it's going to happen because it's like clockwork. You got those three. Uh, the NHL, you look at 
college basketball, I know you've already started, right? Those games, we're only a couple weeks away from college basketball starting. How do you do it, man? You know, it's just uh, it's just like I say it all the time. Guys out there, you guys have regular five, nine to five jobs. I, I mean, that's what you do. You, you work for eight hours or you stand around the water cooler for three hours. Uh, remember when there used to be water coolers, then? <laughs> uh, but, you know, people have, have regular nine to five jobs and, and I don't. I take those, you know, those hours of the day and I break it down. And it's really just don't get over consumed. Well, you're talking about college basketball. That's, that's a great situation. You know, you're talking about college basketball. I know that I have to kind of study up on college basketball. I've been doing it for a little while. And you do it in little increments. I'll take a conference here, conference there, conference here, conference there. I know which conferences last year I I was good at. I know what conferences historically I'm good at. So you kind of know the program, know the coaches. um, And and then it's like a database where that first input into the database is just ridiculous, right? It takes all day. But then you just have to update the database. And that's kind of like your brain. You know, you really just have to update it. Okay, what I just watched today on Sunday, okay, that's updating my database for next week. Everything Tom Barton Sports brings to the table. And that's the thing, too, that you said it with the Phillies' future bet on on the series. Your college basketball futures in the last 10 years, Tom, unbelievable what you've been able to do college basketball-wise. So, right again, those are things you get. You know, you, you you get it, it's released, you bet it, and you just kind of sit there and wait. And sure enough, six months later, it cashes. I remember just off the top of my head, the UConn one was probably the biggest one I remember. Yeah, I think the UConn one sort of put me on the map. Even though I was in Vegas radio for a half a decade at the time, uh, I gave it out on this show. I gave it out about two weeks before it went off. Then we did our preview show the week that uh, college basketball was going to go off. And I gave it out 55 to 1 odds. And that hit right after that, Tim, two, two years later, I hit again. Okay. With, 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 uh, Villanova. Mm-hmm. Then I came back with Virginia and back with Villanova. There was a stretch there and I didn't hit it last year. There was a stretch there that I had won four out of six years and I gave it away on the air. And the, the best thing about it is when we do our predictions and we will talk about you know my Phillies prediction, by the way, but when we do our predictions, we don't give, I know there's a, a certain guy with, the city's name you're in, and his name is Dave, right? Goes out and he goes, Oh, I hit the futures play. Yeah, but you gave away 12 or 13 futures. You know, we give away one future, sometimes two. I usually go, Okay, this is the team I like, and here's a long shot. That's the beauty of it. When we were talking about Major League Baseball, not to transition, but we were talking about baseball, you roll over Atlanta. Now, I've been on Philly for a couple of years thinking that they were going to do it. I didn't think that Philly was going to win the World Series. But I certainly thought that they were dangerous, and I have a futures ticket that I've been able to hedge out or try to hedge out because I had Philly because, look, I've been on them for a couple of years. I thought it was about their time, and here we go. That's what we give you. If you go back and you listen to our baseball preview show, hear what I talked about with the Phillies. I mean, I hated the Astros, but hear what I talked about with the Phillies. And that's how we're going to start the show tonight. While you're listening, peruse over to TomBartonSports.com. Check out the website. If you sign up and mention Heatwave Sports, I think Tommy will take care of you with something there special. So TomBartonSports.com, the website. And we're going to start with baseball. I know week seven of the NFL, a lot of a lot of good games. A lot of – you start seeing the early separation in the divisions with division games. We'll get to all that. We've got plenty of time for that. But uh, what we just last saw, Tom, just about 
half hour ago, a little bit longer than that. Houston wraps up a 4-0 sweep in New York. Come from behind a 6-5 win to knock out the Yanks. Where do you want to start with this one? you want to start about Houston moving on, or do you want to start with the Yankees? And uh, basically what you told everybody, that you didn't like what you saw coming into this. No, I didn't like what I saw. I mean, look, you can't you can't look at the Yankees. At least you shouldn't. Anybody with a brain can't look at the Yankees of what you saw before the All-Star break. Okay? Any Yankee fan that watched this team knew there was a lot of problems. There was a lot of problems going into the playoffs. There was a lot of problems, not only just because they're a horrendous August, which was disastrous. It was a lot of problems coming into the season that were never fixed. There were a lot of problems coming into August, coming into September, coming into the playoffs, and coming into this series. I could sit back and be the Yankee fan that blames it on, you go, well, there's a lot of injuries. And yes, there is. I think that this is a different series if DJ LeMahieu is in here. I think it's a different series if Andrew Benintendi is in here. I certainly think it's a different series if Michael King is in here, right? I mean, I could go down the line. What about Ron Marinaccio if he's in here? I could continue to go down the line. Uh, what about Zach Britton that they were counting on? About the bullpen that is just a mess. I mean, the Yankees don't have a closer. Clay Holmes had like a 0.5 ERA going into the All-Star break. And then coming out of the All-Star break, he's we don't have a closer. Well, We, we got guys that, that are Lou Trevino. And types of like that nature. I mean, it's it's garbage. The Yankees bullpen was trash. The Yankees hitting needed those professional hitters in the middle of the lineup. Uh, when you put Anthony Rizzo in the three hole today, you saw the professional hitter come out in him. And uh, it looks like Bader looks like he's got a stage for the big show. Okay, great. But going into the season, me and you were on the air. I didn't like the IKF move. I didn't like the Josh Donaldson move. I didn't understand those moves. Uh, they did. They were useless and didn't make sense. Aaron Hicks was always a disaster. You could go around the infield and just say, uh, you know, guys were playing in wrong positions. Guys were in, not where they're supposed to be. This Yankees team was like an unfolded lawn chair, to quote Tin Cup. And they sort of made it the entire year because, well, Aaron Judge hit really well. Uh, Garrett Cole pitched nicely. Nestor Cortez stepped up. And they had a good closer for a half of a year. That's it. I mean, even Anthony Rizzo got out to a great start. Yeah, his batting average was was pretty garbage. You look around this team. This was far, far from a championship team, Tim. So I don't want to be that Yankee fan. I know that Chris Wynn laughed at me, you know, being that Yankee fan. I said, fire everybody, get rid of everybody. But I kind of felt like this before the year began. It It's not a new revelation tonight. Sitting here, I didn't have a lot of hope that they were going to win tonight. I didn't have a lot of hope in this series that they were going to win. No, you look at the New York Yankees and you go, they are a massively flawed team. And they went up against, uh, let's be honest, just a Houston team that's just a juggernaut right now. I think that's the, the thing that, as much as the story is that the Yankees got swept, a part of that story should be that Houston is just a good baseball team. And that's the bottom line. Um, if Had this been us growing up, Tom, in our teens, we'll just say in the teens, even though it probably was when, when we were – we're, uh, you know, I'd say between the ages of 8 and 11. We'll just say, since we were 8, we'll say we're 8 years old. Had this happened tomorrow morning, am I right or wrong, Cashman and uh, Boone would have pink slips waiting for them when they arrived at the uh, offices. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and here's the thing. They're, they're not going anywhere. They're just not. I mean... 
again, I don't want to be the, the Yankee fan that goes back and sits back and says, okay, injuries, right? But DJ LeMay, who was a guy in the middle of the order that when they signed him to the long-term deal, as a matter of fact, when they traded for him or, or picked him up in free agency, it was because they need a guy that takes, you know, pitches. They need a guy in the middle of the order that can walk, work the count. DJ LeMay, who is exactly what they were missing in this, uh, in the middle of this order. You look at a guy that they went out and tried to go correct. What about Andrew Benintendi? They tried to go get a left-handed hitter in the middle of this order. A guy that can hit for average. A guy that, like LeMay, you can take a pitch and take a walk. They tried to fix that. So, yeah, that didn't work out because he's injured. Ron Marinaccio was the next guy up. They tried to go get Scott Efros. He looked good. Michael King was out of his mind good. Zach Britton was a guy they brought in. Steven Riddlings looked good. They tried to go get uh, Matt Bowman. He was injured. Chad Green went down. Tim, you know, I I want Cashman fired tomorrow. But I don't want Cashman fired because of the postseason roster he put together. I want Cashman fired for the roster that he put together last spring. I want Aaron Boone fired, not because he couldn't find a shortstop during the playoffs. I want Aaron Boone fired because he kept IKF in the lineup through August when he was struggling and looked like garbage. I want him fired because Aaron Boone is an analytics puppet. So, yeah, they would have been fired because people that cared would have been on top. And here's what's going to happen. Maybe not tomorrow. Right? Maybe not the next day, but by the end of the week, you're going to start to hear these kind of things coming out of Yankee camp, whether it's from Hal's lips or not. Well, you know what? A lot of injuries. Well, you know, we put together a good team. Hey, we did win uh, 99 games. Hey, we did win the division. Uh, you know, uh, got to just beat that Houston team. They will start spinning this because you don't want to bring in a manager like Don Mattingly that will absolutely get results. Because then the front office doesn't control it. Analytics has ruined baseball. Analytics has destroyed baseball in so many ways. And Aaron Boone is smiling moron just going along with the show. This piece of garbage showed the Yankees, David Ortiz, the Royd heads in the, in the comeback that they had before the game. What kind of moron does this guy should be thrown out of New York and never allowed back? Forget about Cashman. Boone's got to go first. Cashman's got to follow him out the door. And let me tell you something. Hal Steinberg, I'm sorry, George, when you're up there and having listened to this, Hal Steiner, Steinberg should be forced to sell the team. This whole organization is garbage right now. It's heading in the wrong way. And they're going to put on a smiley, happy face and say it was a good season. What about the offseason? Obviously, the. We've, we've talked about it all year, Tom. We talked about it before the season started. Aaron Judge, what he would do. Well, we saw what he did, and now it's time to get paid. All rise. Is he going back to New York? What's the deal here? And what do you think about these Yankee fans booing this guy after everything he did for him? Everything he did. Listen, there's a different standard in New York. There's a different standard in New York. you got to perform in the postseason. Aaron Judge had a really great season, a great season, but he's not a great all-time Yankee yet. He's just not. There are certain guys that, you know what, you put together a great season. Yes, you did. And I'm not telling you that they had to beat Houston, okay? Uh, but you can't go out there and bat 159. I mean, you, you know, you just can't do that. He didn't look good in Cleveland either. So it's not just Houston. I think Yankee fans are impatient because of the team itself. Aaron Judge could go out there and bat 159 if the team was hitting. And I'll tell you, if the team was losing 10-9 games, 
And even if Aaron Judge wasn't hitting well, that's okay. Yankee fans are the smartest fans in the country, and you could scoff at that or not, but other players, including Pedro Martinez, has said that. Yankee fans are the uh, smartest fans in the country. We understand, and it was alluded to, I don't like the broadcasting team, but it was alluded to today by uh, by Ron Darling, I think, that said, you know, he doesn't. he's not even taking walks, right? I mean, it, it, it's okay if you're not hitting. It's okay if you're in a slump, but you know guys are pitching around you. You know what they're trying to do. You know they're trying to come inside. Take a pitch. Take the walk. Get on base. Try to create. Aaron Judge didn't do that. Do I want, and does every Yankee fan want Aaron Judge to be, uh, you know, a part of the New York Yankees next year? Absolutely. But, Tim, the booze didn't only come because he wasn't performing. The booze came because people like me and a lot of Yankee fans like me think that he's already out the door. They already think that Aaron Judge is not a Yankee for life. He's not that guy that said, you know, like Mariano Rivera, I'd rather retire than play for the Boston Red Sox. He's not that guy. And while he might become that guy, he might sign, he might give us a hometown discount or whatever you might want to say. Right now, on the back of the Yankees fans' minds is, this guy had a great season. He's failing in the playoffs, and we're not sure if he's going to be wearing a San Francisco jersey next year. That was frustration booze about being held in limbo. On October the 23rd, Tom Barton, where is Aaron Judge playing next year? San Francisco Giants. Okay. He's going home. He's go he's going to Here's the thing. Aaron Judge is really really smart about his reputation, right? What do you call it? The brand. That's what they, they, they call it now, right? The yeah. brand. He's really smart about that. If he goes to Boston or he goes to the Mets, you know, he, he takes the Yankee fan base that loved him and they, you, you turn it to hate. Now, now the Yankee fan base hates you, right? You're, you're the villain. You're the enemy. If you go to the Dodgers, you're the enemy for most of baseball, right? Because well, look, they just bought a championship. But if Aaron Judge could look with his, you know, now no gap tooth smile at the camera. And he can say, you know, I just want to go home. That's where I'm from. I'll always love the Yankees. I'll always love what the fans did for me. But it's my dream to go play at home. It takes a little sting off. As a Yankee fan, I won't hate him for going to San Francisco. I'll hate him if he goes to Boston. I won't hate him if he goes to San Francisco. The baseball world won't hate him for going to San Francisco. You might not cheer for him. You might have a couple of negative things. But in 10 years from now, if Aaron Judge comes back to the stadium, Yankee fans are going to cheer him. Not if he goes somewhere else. There's one team he could go to that doesn't hurt his brand. That's because, well, it's his hometown team, and that's the San Francisco Giants. I think that Aaron Aaron Judge is out of town. I think he's a San Francisco Giant next year. And I think the Yankees try to spin it like, hey, we're cleaning house because it hasn't worked. Well, that sets up the World Series. Game one will be Friday night in Houston. The Astros, the Philadelphia Phillies. What say you on this one? Give me your early preview of this matchup. I mean, it, it's foolhardy to say that the Astros are not going to win this series. I mean, they, they are just a, a dominating machine right now. This is what it looks like. But I still will say what I said when I took Phillies in the first round plus money. And I took Phillies in the second round plus money. And before the season, I took Philadelphia to win this division. And I've been saying it for a couple of years now about Philadelphia. There are certain formulas that you like in sports, right? There are certain formulas that you like in building a team, whether it be you're building a team on, you know, EA sports, or you're building a team in your mind, or you're building a fantasy team. We all have a way of building a team. 
my heart just gravitates the way that I build the team. I like base starting pitching. I like a one-two punch, and I like stars in the middle of the order. Philadelphia has that. They have the better one-two pitchers. And I know I just watched Verlander and Javier. I know what I just watched. Right now, Nola and Wheeler are on a different level. They are one-two. Bryce Harper is playing as good, if not better, than every single player in the postseason right now. Harper in the middle. Schwarber's playing really well. Guys like Gene Segura are playing well. I'm looking at the Philadelphia Phillies, and I'm saying, look, if you're giving me an even odds, coin flip kind of money, ah, it, it, it's tough to go against Houston. Obviously, I'm leaning towards Philly. But if you're giving me plus money, which they're going to be plus money in the series, Tim, I have to take them. You, I think it's a coin flip series. I really do. I think the Nola Wheeler edge gets it to a coin flip series. It's not going to shock me at all if Philadelphia wins this thing. And here's the thing, you know, with such a, a longer delay for the game, it's just five days, they're going to get the reset. Everybody works for Houston as well, but you basically get the reset. Your so I would assume game one, Friday night, will be Zach Wheeler and uh, Justin Murray, right? I mean, they're all going to be on rest. Yes, yes. And, and here's the thing. Verlander has not looked good recently, right? I, I mean, at the end of the year, he didn't look great. Didn't look great in the first round. The Yankees had him up against the ropes. They just couldn't hit that knockout punch. Who's pitching better right now? I'm not saying who's a better all-time pitcher. Who's pitching better right now, Tim? Wheeler, who's been untouchable since coming back? Or Verlander? Wheeler. Yeah, Wheeler. Right? Who's the who's the number two for Houston, Tim? Javi. Okay. You got him or you got Nola? Probably, probably lean to Houston, right? And right I will say, I'll, I'll say this about Nola real quick, though, because I know had this extended, he would have pitched uh, the next game for Houston. So maybe, maybe he'll get the game one now. But he, what you know, he pitched well. He had a bad inning his last start out. That, that's what happened in that game. So either way they go, you have that luxury of saying, "Hey, we can go Nola, we can go Wheeler." But Wheeler's been the the guy throughout the playoffs and the end of the regular season. He's been the guy. I expect him to go game one. Uh, game two, right now, based on what I've seen, I mean, again, you said it is kind of a coin flip, right? Even Javi's been pretty dominant, but I'd say it's a coin flip at that point, and depending on what happens in game one as well. Right. I, and, and you know, you look at this and you go, you, we could go player by player, t- uh, position by position, you know, unit by unit, all of that. Houston's going to come out on top generally right? Mm-hmm. But it's not that big of a difference. I think people really are overlooking that the Philadelphia Phillies since about early August to mid-August had the second best record in baseball. I think people are forgetting that they started to gel. I think people are forgetting you look at a guy like Brad Hen. You know, go look at Brad Hen's ERA guys. Do you know how good he was? David Robertson's coming out of that bullpen. Sir Anthony Dominguez is coming out of that bullpen. They don't have the old Philly bullpen like, like we used to see. I like everything about this team. Uh, again, I will give all the accolades to Houston. They are the chalk here, and they should be. But I just think that people that are overlooking Philadelphia are just overlooking a, a team that has done it the right way, and they are built for right now. They are built for the postseason. Could be Valdez in game two for Houston, right, Tom? Uh, if it's Valdez over Nola, I'm taking Nola. Yeah. Yeah, see how Dusty sets this up, because after that, of course, you have 
Uh, the guy you saw tonight in Lance McCullers, who has had a shortened season due to injury, but he's been okay here in the postseason. On the other side, you have Suarez and you have uh, Thor. That's who they also carry in their rotation, Tom. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Suarez is probably better than McCullers right now because McCullers is working his way back. Uh, but you can't count on anything with Syndergaard. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Courtesy of Circa Sports, Tom, which you visited when you were here your last trip out. I was up at the pool, Astros. man. I love it. I love the pool. You're at Stadium Swim, yes. Astros open this series a 185 favorite Philadelphia plus 160. This is what I'm saying. I actually saw on one of my sites, I think it was Caesars, that you could get 175. So that's my point. If you're asking me as a sports talk host tonight, who wins this series? I mean, you have to kind of say Houston, right? Uh, but if you're asking me, is Tom Barton sports the sports better? If I'm getting <laughs> nearly two to one back <laughs> on on the Phillies, I'm taking Philly all day, Tim. Mm-hmm. How about you? Look, I know that uh, you know you're both as well. You're a, a guy that goes out there, you bet sports, and you're a, a sports analyst as well. What do you give me the two brains that you're taking? It's tough because usually you look at a team that's dominant and you think that that carries on, but. Over the but usually it's the team that's hot, right? Tom, it's the team that's hot that catches fire and puts them in control. And I think when you look at the Phillies, every series basically disrespected, and that's something that they used here as motivation. I sent you that that meme earlier on text with uh, John Daly and Tiger Woods looking at each other, and Tiger Woods was uh, basically the representative of a hundred win team, and John Daly was the Phillies. Like, f you, it doesn't matter. We're ready to go, like you said ready for the postseason. I don't think we're going to get blowout cities like we saw in each of these series. I think this is going to be an extended series, and it's really going to come down to which – here's the thing. It's going to come down to which manager manages best. And as much as uh, I think Dusty Baker has been very fortunate as a manager in his career, he's experienced at this point. And I think if Houston can can, uh, hold on to – whatever pushes that Philadelphia is going to make early in this series, I think they'll long extended series, probably in six games. But that being said, when you're looking at value, the value definitely lays with the Phillies in that they could go out there with that pitching staff and they could win four to one. I, I could see that as well. But if you're asking me as a, as an analyst and a host, I'm going to take the Astros in six, just because I think they've been there. They've done that. They're experienced. They know how to win, and that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah. Again, I can absolutely see that, but isn't there also something that the the the, the Astros might not be, you know, just completely immune to pressure because they haven't had pressure so so far up until now. I mean, if you lose to the Yankees, okay, it is what it is, right? Um, you know, they're a good team. They haven't had pressure now. Don't they want to kind of rewrite history? Don't they feel like they get into the World Series now and they go, look, everybody thinks we use those garbage cans. You know, we cheated, blah, blah, blah. Nobody can take this one away from us. Where doesn't it seem like the Phillies are like a frat house? Hey, you know what? Who cares? Ah, Nobody expects us to win. Let's just go out and have some fun. I mean, there is a different feel here, Tim. And that's why I think that the Philly offers so much value because if they come in a little tight, if Houston comes in a little tight trying to prove years of all of the animosity that they had thrown on them and try to erase it with this playoff, I think Philly could bite them because they're playing so loose. 
Yeah, no, no, 100% agree. I think the problem is that Philly, Philly's run, Tom, hasn't been quietly done. Like, okay, they win the playoff, St. Louis, right? Okay. Then the next round, you get the defending champs, the Braves. Dust them off. Okay. Now you get the Padres who just beat the Dodgers, right? They were The, the Padres were the talk of baseball when they knocked the Dodgers out. Ah, we're done with you, too. Now I don't think anybody's like not overlooking Philadelphia. And if it's for Houston, I don't think they've ever been a team like that to overlook them. So it's going to come down to straight baseball at this point. And in the longer series, I, I do think Houston sets up better. And that's, you know, look, the guys that you wanted to perform in the playoffs or wanted to see perform, the Peñas, the rookie, right? He did so far. And, and that's that's huge for Houston because, the you know, the stars are going to be there. Even Altuve, who hasn't done it, he didn't do a damn thing until tonight. He's been there. He's won. He's done that. And it's hard to say that on the other side of the, of the fence. And, again, when it comes to X's and O's, I don't know where, where this factors in anymore, like you said, with the, the whole logistical, analytical thing. I, I do advantage Dusty Baker over Robbie Thompson in, in just straight X's and O's and until Robbie Thompson wins. That's just how I think, but uh, it, it comes down to, again to straight baseball. And when you're looking at what Philadelphia can bring with that staff, rotational and bullpen, it gives them a great opportunity to win. So I'm looking forward to a nice long series. I'm looking forward to some good close baseball games, Tom. And, and you know, I think I think Houston gets it done on their home field in Game Six. All right, I'm going to take Philly in seven. Bryce Harper MVP. Okay. Yeah. I like Astros in six. Give me Alvarez MVP in that one, or Verlander. It'll be it'll be Alvarez or Verlander. If Verlander gets two starts and is dominant, he'll get the MVP. Tom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you, you got to look at uh, <laughs> you got to look at Bregman right now too. Man, he's red hot, right? Red hot. Let me ask you this though. One more thing before we take the break about about the they won won this series four games to one or four. Four, yeah, they won four games to one. So I, I had said something to you earlier tonight, in in um, earlier during the day, when the Padres were up three to two, heading in late innings, and you had a guy that you went out and got in Josh Hader, who struggled, right, Tom? When he, he was struggling in in uh, Milwaukee, he struggled from the onset in San Diego, but then he, he figured it out. He got back on track. And you talk about in the playoffs. He was absolute money all the way through. Even in game two, they brought him in. He struck out the side for the, in to close him out in game two. Where was that call, Bob Melvin, in tonight's game? I know it wasn't a save opportunity at that point, right? Well, yeah, it could have been, right? Two-inning two save. Why was he not in the game, Tom? There's no saving anybody at this point. Why was he not in the game? Uh, I, I said to you, I texted it to you, and I said, hey, saving him for tomorrow, Tim. Yeah, obviously I, I'm joking around, but th- this is uh, a why. And and you had the best line of the night. Why don't you tell everybody the best line of the night you texted me? I said he must have thought he was Buck Showalter saving Zach Britton for the next game, right? If we go back to the playoffs and remember when you had the best closer in baseball at that time and you don't even use him. So, <laughs> so you know, I don't have an answer, Tim. I really don't. I don't have an answer. As to why he wasn't in there, I, I, I don't know. The only thing I could say is with closers, right, um, even more than bullpen guys, with closers, 
they tend to not want to kind of use him two, three, four days in a row. Um, not that Hader has pitched that extensively here, but it's been a long season. He's logged a lot of innings, and there's a very good chance he could have just been told before the game, "Look, you're not coming. You're not coming out tonight because uh, you know you, you've had too many innings on your own." Maybe, you know, you, you never know with this. I, I would assume that Hader wants to go. Uh, he's he's got that personality. He was like Garrett Cole, who said, "Hey, put me back out there after he threw, you know, 111 pitches." He's got that kind of personality. But we, we don't know. I, look, I think it's a bad move. I think it was a terrible situation. But I'd love to hear the explanation. Yeah, the first thing I would have, I mean, I didn't see the past pro game press conference. That's been the first thing I said, though, is if I was asked to ask the question, Bob, why didn't you go to Hater on four days rest in a, in a two, you could have went in a two inning save situation and then worried about, the next game at that point, it's, there's no waiting at the. You're down three. You're they already have three, so there's no next day after this. So, whether you were strategically trying to burn him out through the rest of the series, I mean, you just can't do it. And I don't know, maybe I don't know what happened there. I think I guess the what I'm trying to get at here is when you look at a four-one series win, and really watching this series, right, Tom? That San Diego Blue leads in the last three games. It's, it wasn't so. Uh, black and white that Philadelphia dominated the series. It's they took advantage of mistakes the Padres made late in games uh, three, four, and five. I just look at the Padres as, <laughs> and I said this to you. We've seen it in sports a lot. Okay, everybody remembers the triumphs of you know guys, teams like the '88 Dodgers could not beat the New York Mets that year. I think they lost like 16 of 18 to them or something like that. Everybody remembers. Okay, well they won that and then they went on to win the World Series. And the Boston Red Sox slayed their giant in the New York Yankees and then kind of went on to win the World Series that year. Uh, we all remember that. There are often times in sports, though, Tim, in all sports, and we know it in college football. We go, oh, the letdown game. Oh, the let you know. There are all kinds of times where you slay that team, you give it all. Oh my God, I can't believe we beat that team. And then you kind of come down. Mm -hmm. And I know you could say, how can you come down in the NLCS? But you do. If the, the Padres' entire focus, and that's what we know it had been, was the Dodgers for years. Every move they made was on the Dodgers. They have beat LA all over the place. All their fans just chant beat LA. Their whole focus was Dodgers beat the Dodgers, get over the Dodgers. It's the greatest team ever. The Dodgers, look at what they're doing. The Dodgers, and then you beat them. It's just a natural reaction to kind of come down. I think that's what heart the Padres. I really do. I think that if they had to go through the New York Mets, for example, let's say it was Padres Mets, right? or Padres uh, Philly in this round, or Padres Atlanta, I think the Padres would be playing in the World Series. I think because it was L.A., the emotion just got too much of them. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that, and I agree with that. And really, if you look at the four teams, right, Tom? Padres, at the end of this, they're going to do their wrap-up here. They're all going to do their end of the season, whatever you call it. And we're going to say, you know what? San Diego had a good season, Tom. They made the playoffs. They beat the Dodgers. It's a good season. Philadelphia, we had a good season. We were we had to fire our manager during the year, come from behind. We won the series. We beat the Braves, beat the Cardinals. You know, we beat the Padres. We got to the World Series. We didn't win, but we had a great season. The other two teams, though, the Yankees and, and the Astros, Tommy, there is no good season unless they win the World Series, right? We already know how the Yankees go. That that's a given every season that you win. 
And then the Astros, this is their fourth trip to the World Series in the last six years. They have to win. So the two National League sides, great seasons. Two American League sides, you better win. Yeah, I had to, I completely agree. Tom Barton, Tim Unglesby, Heatwave Sports, Super Sunday Night. Hey, when we come back, you know what time it is. It's week seven of the NFL. We're going to break them all down for you as we get you ready for a brand new week here in the world of sports here on Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. I really can't believe it. Let me see here. Kentucky Wildcats, number four in the country. I'm hearing four first-round draft choices. And you're asking me how that got away from me? They're, they're, they're the big blue. You ought to know that. I'm not mad at you. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. We're talking NFL football week number seven. We're officially past the third of the season. I hate the 17-week schedule, Tim. Yeah, isn't it 18? 18 18-week schedule. (laughs) 17-game schedule, I should say. I hate a lot of things about the world of sports nowadays, Tom. It it just used to be nice. I used to go, yeah, they're about a 500 team, you know? Now you just literally can't have 500 teams. (laughs) And and – and we could be saying next week, hey, we're at the halfway point of the season. We can't even say that. We have to wait a couple more weeks. You know, it's Yeah, yeah you can't even have it. Let's drive around the world of the NFL. Let's talk about some football games and, and how these teams sit seven weeks out. Uh, we'll start in Vegas. How about that, Tom? The Las Vegas Raiders pick up win number two on the season with a big fourth quarter. 38-20, they beat Houston. Raiders now two and four. The Texans fall to one, four and one. It's all about the Josh Jacobs show right now, though. And as it should be. I mean, I told you this before time. His over under was 106 or 105 and a half, uh, depending on where you were looking for most rushing yards and receiving yards to combine today. And that was a layup. I mean, an absolute layup for me. I mean, 143 yards just rushing alone. Josh Jacobs is crushing it. I have been on Josh Jacobs' case. For the last three years, I have ripped Josh Jacobs apart. You know, Chris wins a big Josh Jacobs guy. And I kept telling him, Chris, what are you talking about? Like, they just don't know how to use him. It wasn't that I was anti Josh Jacobs. It was, they don't know how to use him. And then we watched in the preseason, we watched Josh Jacobs be used uh, like he was going to be benched. They brought in some guys. We all think, okay, Josh Jacobs is definitely going to be playing on a different team. They declined his option. And Jacobs is absolutely on fire right now completely and utterly what everything that the Raiders need on this team. He is the fix-all, the elixir for a bad offense. And Josh Jacobs, man, just putting this team on his back and single-handedly. 20 carries, 143 and three touchdowns. That's ridiculous. I haven't been in another fantasy league, Tommy. He was like one of literally one of my last pickups. And as you can tell with his season, I've been benefited from that very much so. But I said it in our Tim, group chat. Get, get, our buddy Tan, Dan tried to uh, send me a trade, you know, Josh Jacobs and someone else. I, I forget who it was for Austin Eckler. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, Josh Jacobs. I was like, he had a, he had a, week, a good week or two. This ain't lasting. Oh, <laughs> do I look silly now? Yeah, well, I've seen some of Dan's trade proposals as well. And, <laughs> and usually they're not, they don't work out the way that this one would have worked out. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, not at all. I was going to say, though. I, I sent a, a group in our group chat, which is filled with characters. And Jake, this was right after Jacobs had his 
scored his third touchdown. I said, you know, this is Tom, this is a big F you to Raider management, Raider ownership that at before the season started, they they declined the fifth year option on him. So he's free agent after this. And this is his way of saying, you know what? <laughs> That's fine. I'm I'm gonna if you're gonna if you want me to be in a Raider uniform next year, now you're gonna pay me more than I was gonna get to begin with. So I think he's on his his little uh redemption tour here that he deserves to be paid and now he says you know what vegas if you want me you're gonna pay next year you gave it to me tim i'll, I'll throw this back at you where's he playing next year oh wow it could be a number of places tom everybody needs running back man who's gonna pay him though <sighs> wouldn't, he, wouldn't he look nice in a rams uniform how many seems people like, just ripped their car stereos out and threw it out the window on that? Yeah, I know. It seems like it seems like a Kansas City. You don't think that they would pay to have him there? These are teams yeah. with money. Teams. With I, money. I think the Carolina Panthers have an opening in their backfield. <laughs> they they won't pay though, Tom. That's the problem. No, they won't. Uh, Dallas. Ooh. I don't know. I think I, I think they're mishandling Pollard, but they believe in him. Yeah. You know, maybe a team like Washington. They got some money. I hear Dan Schneider's got a couple of bucks. Yeah. Might not be Dan Schneider next year, though, Tom. <laughs> True. True. All right. So Raiders get a win. Two and four. We already know the statistics after – I forgot what week it was when they said teams that were a certain record after this week don't make the playoffs. We already know that they were on the other side of the eight ball. Next week they have a road trip, Tommy. They go to the Saints. And the opening number, the Raiders actually a favorite here on the road. Looks like one and a half, two. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to get a read on the Raiders right now for me. It really is. I, I didn't like them today. Mm. <laughs> you know, I really didn't. I, I do understand that it's the Josh Jacobs show. I do understand how well he's running right now. Saints have a couple of, you know, a couple of days off extra. Saints are at home. Saints defense has been real good. I think you can't do anything until you learn the injury report of the Saints. I mean, if I hear that Thomas is back and Olave is back and, and Winston's back and, you know, their team is relatively healthy, I, I got to go with the Saints here, getting points at home. But if you're marching out the same Saints that doesn't have Landry, Olave, or Thomas, forget about even Winston, then you got to be all over the Raiders. I think that they will have some running success just because Jacobs is playing on a different level right now. But the Saints defense is for real. If they're relatively healthy, row or a home team getting points after what happened, what we saw last, right, Tom? That Saints bombed by by Arizona, and the Raiders winning big, even though that was a quarter. They were down going going to the fourth quarter. The Raiders were to get that win. Oh, plus Raiders team. I think I think the Saints is the way to go. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, again, but you can't bet on the Saints, Tim, unless. If, if, if the report comes out Thursday and it says Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Jarvis Landry are out, you can't bet on the Saints. You can't. No. No. You know, that's <laughs> the problem. You don't need all three of them back. You don't even need two of them back. But you got to get at least one of them back, right? I mean, one of these guys. Olave was carrying the torch for a little while there. Then, you know, he went down. Give me Thomas. Give me Olave. Or even give me Landry and I could think about it. But I, I need Thomas or Olave to make a bet on this game. And it's hard to bet on a team with Andy Dalton as the quarterback. I mean, look, you saw what happened. In Raiders the are quarter. going to 1 o'clock, West Coast to East Coast, early game, 
off okay. a big win, Saints extra rest off a big loss. I mean, from a handicapping standpoint, it checks every box. Seattle goes into LA. They beat up the Chargers 37-23 today. Tom has a uh, six-point underdog in this game. Geno Smith, two more touchdowns, but it was Walker has been such a huge addition to that Seattle offense, 168 and two touchdowns today. So first, both teams now four and three, but Tommy first Seattle. And then give me what in the hell is wrong with the San Diego Chargers right now? A lot, but let's let's not glance over what is right with the Seattle Seahawks right now. I had said in the in the offseason that I thought that this team could be the worst team in the NFL. But I, I did say to you, I love what they did on the offensive line. Just wasn't sure they would gel soon enough. They're a very, very young offensive line. Tim, they gelled, man. And, and this, this shows you what drafting well does. Walker, two new offensive linemen on that team. Everyone's given Geno Smith you know, all the accolades in the world. But this really starts because there is just a lot of time. Seattle's offense is fantastic. I took the over today. It's one of the plays that I grabbed. And I said, well, I have no doubt that Seattle's going to score. Seattle's top three in scoring. Geno Smith is leading the league in, in a completion percentage. I like this kid Walker a lot. I had no doubts at all that Seattle would score and run on the Chargers, who have a terrible run defense. My thing with the Chargers, I, I said they might score more. Seattle's defense is bad. Chargers couldn't get out of their own way today. Justin Herbert last week set the record 57 for most passing attempts without throwing a touchdown. Justin Herbert last week had 75% of his passes go for 10 yards or less. He's dinking. He's dunking. Austin Eckler is doing great. If you got him in fantasy like I do, he is absolutely smoking things out there. Uh, and then everyone said, well, don't worry. You know, Keenan Allen's the reason why Justin Herbert's dinking and dunking. Nope, he was back still dinking and dunking today. I never liked Brandon Staley. I don't think he's a good football coach. And I think that people are starting to finally come around to that. The Chargers are broken. And sometimes you got to just do something different. They won't let Herbert throw downfield. He looks bad. For all the talent that Justin Herbert and the Chargers have, Tim, he looks bad this year. The Chargers didn't make the playoffs last year. The, the Chargers are a team that probably won't make the playoffs this year the way that they're going. Everything is just falling apart in Los Angeles. I'm going to throw it back to you. You're somebody that thought that they could go to the Super Bowl, Tim. Mm -hmm. You tell me. I mean, is this just a product of Joey Bosa being out? I mean, did he really affect the offense? <laughs> no. no. I, I think we, we have to look at it's the coach, his play calling, absolutely, like you said, 100%. I, I don't know. Maybe Herbert's probably still banged up somewhat, Tom, right? You know, he had that injury early in the season. Maybe he's it's lingering and he's just not saying anything. I know they the the game plan early was to to limit Eckler to keep him fresh, which it seemed like has worked out uh, up until this game. Rushing, obviously, that they've been using him more and more, and he's he's statistically, especially out of the backfield, like you said, he's just been unbelievable. Twelve for ninety six and a touchdown receiving today, and we say it every year during our preview show, man, Chargers, if they can put it together, right, Tom, they they, they could be a team, but we have to see it first. And maybe I was just a little too uh, too excited about wanting to say that they could do it because we still haven't seen it. And I know it's seven games, but sometimes you can see a lot. And this was a this was you said it best when we started this segment. What's right with Seattle? Look, they're playing great, no doubt about it. I like it. 
but I'm more of what's wrong with the Chargers, and, and there's a lot wrong with them. And I don't think it's defensively either, Tommy. It's, you know, when you just consistently are putting the defense out there because you can't move the ball, you're going to get scored on. That's just the way it is, and that's what happened today. They just kept the defense out there. They were getting beat, and they just couldn't put the points back up to, to keep it in this game. And I don't know. Once they, It seems like once the teams know that they're going to throw, 57 uh, attempts last week, 51 this week, there's no running attack. They they ran for under 50 yards today, Tom. So it is what it is. But they're they're in trouble, man. The Chargers are in trouble. You know, I, I look. Uh, I'm looking to next week. The Chargers have a bye week. I think they're going to fix some stuff during that bye week. <clears throat> I I, mm-hmm. I don't love Brandon Staley as a coach, but the, what I want to look at is Seattle's minus two and a half next week against the six and one Giants. And Tim, hold me back because I want to load up on Seattle. I don't believe in this Giants team. I love that the Seattle Seahawks are playing really well. They're playing with confidence. And I just don't think that the Giants can outscore them. I mean, you, you have to chalk up Seattle nearly all the time. You got to chalk them up to you know upper 20s, right? The Giants aren't going to outscore them. Can they play some defense? Sure. But Seattle's just going to keep firing and firing and firing. Home field advantage. Everyone is going to be on the Giants in this game. This is Seattle minus two and a half. I think that this is the game that's going to bite everybody this week. Everyone's going to see six and one Giants. The public is going to jump all over it. I think Seattle is going to be on my card. Giants are the most overrated football team in the NFL. 100%. Not the Jets? Jets are right. They're 1B. <laughs> <laughs> New York teams hold 1A one and 1B. One, one one but here's the thing with the Giants, and I've said this week after week. Who have they beaten? Come from behind win week one at Tennessee. Okay, Tennessee's defense let him down late in the game. They beat Baker Mayfield in Carolina in week two. He's not even a starter anymore. Dallas got him in week three. They beat your Bears, Tommy, in week four. Look look where the Bears are. They beat the Packers in Lambeau. Look where the Packers are right now. Baltimore gave that game to him last week. And then this week, Jacksonville again, a team that can't finish, Tom, with a quarterback that's mentally breaking down every week. I see Trevor Lawrence. I think he's going to have a mental breakdown. A game they, they came from behind. You know, they're doing it. They're winning games from behind. But the problem is they're not beating, I think, solid football teams. So I love Seattle next week, man. And they're okay, home. Okay, we're on the same same wavelength, right? But what is the, what's the onus in New York? Are they, are, are they out there? Are they living in dreamland? They think this giant team is really good. I know Barkley has been great. Daniel Jones Brian has Dable, not been. Brian Dable, Coach of the Year, Saquon Barkley, MVP. Giants are winning the division. Giants are winning a week NFC. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll book that then. How about that? I'll book that for somebody. <laughs> Listen, I'm running up and down the streets of Manhattan asking for people if they want if they want a little action. I tell you what, though. They, they do win next week. Oh, man. And they very well could. You know, that's, that's the thing with the Giants. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, Giants, I just want you to keep winning. So I could just pound you in the in the playoffs in the first round of whoever you meet is going to spank you all over the field. Can you I imagine can every- Daniel Jones playoff Daniel Jones? Oh, oh, Danny Dimes. Danny Guy gives Dimes. himself a nickname. <laughs> well, just look at the Giants' schedule, right? So they have a very winnable game next week. Uh, you know, two and a half point under. Okay, very winnable game. That's seven and one, right? They got the Texans at home, Tim. That's eight and one. They got the Lions at home after that. That's nine and one, Tim. They're nine and one. They're a playoff team. 
Then you go to Dallas. That's going to be a tough game. Then you got Washington and Philly at home, at Washington, at Vikings, Colts, and at Eagles. They basically have two tough games left, uh, and Vikings, we'll say. Three tough games left at Eagles, at Vikings, at Cowboys. This, this team could win 13 games, 14 games, Tim. Number one overall seed, New York Giants. And I'll, I'll <laughs> literally take out a loan to bet against them. <laughs> there are going to be guys next already betting at DraftKings there in New York. Tommy, give me the extra, give me the hook, give me the three next week at Seattle, man. Yeah, I'm going to be really, really, really closely following this line. This opened up at two and a half. I expect anybody with a brain to jump on the Seahawks, but the public money is going to come in late. And you're right. The Giants are going to, Giants are going to get 75 to 80% of the action in the country. Hmm. I, I, they're just going to absolutely pound it. And especially I'm in New York, my New York lines, uh, by the time kickoff comes, Seattle will be an underdog. Here we go. Hour one in the books. When we come back more NFL week, number seven in hour number two, it's Heat Waves. Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Now back to Heatway Sports. Welcome back, Hour 2 of Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, and Ryan with you for another hour as we hit the brand new sports week. And everybody's going to be talking about, yeah, the World Series, of course, and the NFL. They should be talking about is what are they going to do next week, Tom, since Heat Wave Sports is not going to be on the air. We're taking the holiday off. So we're taking our bye week, like you said, Tom, and a little R&R, but, you know, it, it is what it is this time of year. Everyone's going to be uh, figuring out they're going to be walking house to house dressed as Tom and Tim. <laughs> Who, if, if you could dress as a current football player obviously it'd just be a uniform and a helmet i would suppose tom who would that player be man ah i was gonna say belichick but you want to go player um I mean, you could be belichick just go to door to door just growl at people trigger there's one of little candy right you could do that uh you could be get a skeletor mask and be tom brady nowadays yeah i mean yeah. right he um, looks like walk around on your knees like the kids and be Kyler Murray because he's like four foot two. Yeah, that's not a bad one. You could be a munchkin, right? <laughs> uh, you, you know, how about this, Tim? You could just literally not show up to people's houses and be Keenan Allen. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just, by, by the way, he did, he did play today. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> be the cat from the draft room for the Patriots. Yes. Yeah, that's a good a, one. Was it a cat? It was a cat, right? Yes. It just sat there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, uh, I could, I could uh, just you know get the Halloween candy and then drop it all over the front stoop like Lamar Jackson. Oh, uh, uh, oh. Hey, I had to do it. We got the W today, man. We got the W. Yes. And, and to go back on your Skeletor, Brady, he does need to – he needs to eat a hamburger, man. Come on. We're at that – What has happened that, to him? I mean, everyone's saying it's like, you know, he's got plastic surgery or whatever. I don't – look, Brady's got good money, man. And I think Giselle knows some good plastic surgeons. They didn't screw his face up that bad. I think this no. is like unnatural. 
man's under a lot of stress, Tom. I don't I know guess why. So. Yeah. <laughs> two, so let's two start. very com completely different diets, right? Uh, yes. Aaron Rodgers is out there eating mushrooms. <laughs> he he looks like a homeless, uh, uh, you know, garbage man. And you got Tom Brady looks like Skeletor eating, you know, really healthy. Just goes to show you guys, just eat what you want because it's going to happen one way or the other. <laughs> well, let's start with Skeletor, Tom. How about this? Back-to-back -back losses as or more favorite. First time ever for Brady. They, they don't just get beat today. They got dominated. 21-3. The, the gimme field goal keeps them from getting shut out. But they lose to the 2-5. and five, No McKay, P.J. Walker, Panthers, 21-3. Yeah, like, what was it? The first or the second play of the game, Brady has an opportunity to hit Mike Evans for a huge touchdown. Uh, it would have been like, I don't know, 60, 70-yard touchdown, something like that. Evans drops it. There's not a defender near him. And I said, eh, no reason to kind of pay attention to this game. That's how the game's going to go. And that was it. That was, that was their best opportunity. Uh, Brady, again, beats the over for attempts, and that's all he's doing. Brady's dinking, dunking, throwing. They just can't convert in the red zone. Last week against Pittsburgh, they got to the red zone four times and weren't able to convert. Today, they just weren't able to convert. Um, what's more shocking, though, and everyone's going to look at this, you asked me about the Bucs and, you know, the one game here, the one – the Bucs have scored more than 20 points one time this year. Once, okay? What's more shocking to me, though, as bad as the offense is, Tim, the defense is terrible this year. You can't blame injuries to the defense right now. What has gone on? This once great defense that was playing really well early in the year, once great defense has just been abused. Kansas City humiliated them, and ever since, everyone's kind of laughing at them. I have no answers what's going on in Tampa Bay. I would say, look, the coaching is is the first thing you have to point to and say, when they made this move, told everybody, look, he's a nice guy, but he's not a head coach, right? And, and you, oh, come on. No, he's a nice guy, but he's not a head coach. Um, I still think that Tampa Bay has room to grow here. Their, their season isn't over, but you can't watch this team and think any given week, that they're going to have a layup anymore. They are they're one of those teams that got real old real fast, except they kind of didn't. It's just maybe one player, and everyone's putting the blame on Brady. Brady actually looks kind of good right now. Yeah, 290 yards. Evans, I mean, Evans, you said that the shirt fire touchdown changed the the, uh, the reflection of the game when you look at it, but he still had a big day. As Brady's on pace for like – Brady's on pace, Tim, for like – 4,700 yards or something like that, mm -hmm. except he's on pace for about 20 touchdown picks. Maybe Bruce Arians knew something when he decided to walk away from it, Tom. I look at the roster and I go, just, you know, who got old? Again, when the summer came, and I remember I was away and we were listening to the, the radio and I go, man, I'm betting against the Bucks every single week because you can't lose three offensive linemen. You know how I am with offensive line play. You can't lose three offensive linemen and expect to compete in this league. Um, but I didn't expect the defense to kind of fall apart. If you told me this was all an offensive problem, and a lot of it is, I would go, okay, I get it. They were losing games, you know, just because of the offense. But the, the defense, who got old on the defensive line? I mean, everybody got it a year older, right? But I mean, you know, they're all still in their prime. It, it feels like this feels a lot like a team that just doesn't want it anymore. 
feels like a team that is going through the process to make their contract money, going through the process to look at what their brand is going to be, who their next team is going to be, what their next move is going to be. It doesn't look like a team that's hungry to win anymore. And that's the first time I think I've ever said that about a team that Tom Brady was on. Baltimore, four and three, two and zero in division with a 23, 20 win at home over the Cleveland Browns in a game that was uh, fourth. And in the fourth quarter, Tom, we got a Justin Tucker 58-yarder and then a block of Cade York 61-yarder for the Ravens to hold on and win this. Although I could have swore after a fumble by Justice Hill, gave the ball back to Cleveland late. I, I saw it happening again, Tom. It was like the Bill Murray Groundhog Day movie. Just every week, fourth quarter, happens. It almost happened again to Baltimore, but they get the win this time. Yeah, they get a nice win. Uh, um, uh, the Ravens, they're four and three, and they could be seven and out there, right? I, yeah. I mean, they really could. They have outplayed their opponents more quarters this year than anybody not named Philadelphia, except they're sitting at four and three. But at four and three, they're still on top of the division. At four and three, they still have everything that they wanted to accomplish in their hand. They just got to start winning those close games. And the Lamar Jackson kind of cleaning his game up, it's no longer a, a, a cute little thing. Ah, Jackson's going to run around. He's going to, you know, oh, he might fumble now and then. No, no, no. It's become a major detriment. It's become a, a situation where I'm not a Ravens fan. At the end of the game, I'm going, uh-oh, Jackson's going to give it up. It's a problem. I think getting Andrews back will be okay. I think, you know, getting Gus Edwards back is going to be okay. Their backfield is still kind of a mess, and this is a running team. But the Lamar Jackson thing is not going away. Unless he cleans up his game, Tim, the Ravens are going as far as Lamar takes them, and that means not very far. Well, that lines us up for Thursday night, Baltimore at Tampa. The Ravens, Tommy, one, one and a half. Oh, I am uh, very torn on this game. I want to jump all over the Ravens, all over the Ravens here. They are the better team right now. They are playing the better ball. They have the better offense right now. They have the better defense. I mean, every they got the better coach for a short week, right? But it's Brady. It's prime time. It's in Tampa Bay. It's at home. And you're laying points as an underdog. I, you know, I, I just can't wrap my head around going against those trends. And you can tell me it's a different Brady. You can tell me it's a different team. You're right. But you're asking me to overlook Tom Brady in prime time at home as an underdog. I just have a hard time with that. At home, prime time, as an underdog. Lost two in a row, under 500 record. Could be could be a, a disrespect Brady game here. And that's not this good for has- Baltimore. No, this has all the feelings of that kind of game, doesn't it? Has all the feelings of Brady coming out, 325, four touchdowns, everything's fixed with with the Buccaneers at the expense of the Ravens. Also four and three in the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals. 35-17 win at home over Atlanta today. Joe Burrow, Tom, four hundred eighty one yards, three touchdowns. Wanna to talk about letting Russ cook? They're letting Burrow cook. It has been something that we talked about in the offseason when I talked about this Cincinnati team. And I said, early in the season last year, for the first 10, 12 games, they wanted to establish a run. It was the Joe Mixon show and then let Burrow kind of do what he did. When they took off of the playoffs, it was just let Joe Burrow throw it all over the field. And that actually propelled them into the playoffs. They came back and they tried to do, you know what? We're going to run the ball again. 
and they realized, you know, we can't run the ball. This offensive line's terrible. Let's just let Joe Burrow launch it up. Two things with that. Number one, they're going to be very successful in a lot of areas because their wide receivers are great, and Joe Burrow's fantastic. Number two, you're going to get Joe Burrow killed. Okay? I, I mean, we saw it again today. He was under duress all day. He performed well, and you're going to have good games like this because Joe Burrow is so talented and the wide receivers are so talented. But, man, I fear for this guy's health. It's, it's almost an exact op. Uh, it's almost an exact of season one, right, running around for his and getting hit. And last year they were talking about how he's a little more protected. Well, this year it's again, he's not being protected. Tommy, you even saw it today. Why was he in there in a blowout situation? He took two hits. I thought late in the game, he didn't have to. Another guy, he's a Super Bowl coach that I'm looking at. And I'm going, I never thought he was a good coach. Never thought he was a good fit. I, I, I do truly worry about Joe Burrow's career. With this coach that, that, like you said, put him in puts him in positions that are just bad positions to succeed. He's just, he, you know, he's going to get injured again. Anything on the Atlanta side, Tom? Was this more of the Falcon team you, you expected them to be? Uh, listen, the Falcons can score, right? I mean, they're, they're going to put up some points. They're going to score. They have the third best rushing attack in the league. Uh, they have the third most rushing attempts in the league, but... They're limited. Mariota is a nice story. He's got 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns through seven games, Tim. Right? I mean, you know, he's a nice story. Uh, Drake London's their leading receiver. He's got 300 yards receiving in seven games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, um, you know, it, they're they're a nice story. They were six and zero against the spread coming in. They can put up some points, but I think that the real Atlanta Falcons are going to kind of show up. I look at next week and I see nearly a touchdown favorite. At home against the Panthers, I don't love the Panthers, and I don't love this offense. But we just saw what they just did to Brady. And by the way, they played really well defensively against the Rams for three quarters. I don't think you could lay six and a half points here with the Falcons. How about the Bengals? Monday Night Football Battle of Ohio Part 1. Bengals a field goal favorite at Cleveland. My initial response is you got to love the Bengals here. Right? I mean, you got to love the Bengals and probably the over. Um, but I saw something in Cleveland this week where their defense looked a little bit better. Right, Their defense looked just that, that much quicker in some spots. Miles Garrett looks like he's back and healthy. This could be a dangerous spot for the Bengals. I think they're the better team. They should be the favorite here. Not a game I'm looking at, though. Yeah, I think what we've seen with Cleveland is they're always so – they always make the Cleveland moves. Thing is, what's been the constant for Cleveland this year has been Nick Chubb. Again, almost 100 yards today. Two massive runs against Baltimore. Brissett's going to be a guy that Tom. He's not. He's not taking him to the playoffs, in my opinion. But he's capable enough of keeping him in games, and I think that's something we need to look for. And then, where's the overreaction? Cincinnati's back. This is the Super Bowl team we we saw last year. Burrow had 500 yards passing. All factors that let me look at getting a field goal at home in a division game. Yeah. Again, I think it's a tough game because Burrow can go off. If they're able to protect him, this could be a laugh on the Bengals side. Uh, I just don't think they're going to be able to protect him. I think Miles Garrett is going to have a huge game here. This Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is bad. You mentioned, by the way, the Browns. Tim, how do you feel in three games we're going to see uh, Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't feel 
Ugh. I, I know he got hit with another lawsuit. How about that? So maybe that'll. Oh, I'm shocked. Yeah. You know, it. it you ever see the movie Liar, Liar, Tim? There's a oh, part yeah. where, you know, it, it's a multiple time felon and he calls the lawyer and she says, you know, he wants your legal advice. He takes, picks up the phone, screams into the phone. And he says, stop breaking the law. You know, I mean, it's kind of what you wanted to scream. Deshaun Watson, right? I mean, why, why is this guy a part of, the, of my life at this point? Oh, I, I mean, from, from a personal standpoint, he's a piece of trash. And what's even funnier is that I'm watching the game, obviously. And he's about a 500 quarterback, too, by the way. Yeah. Highest paid 500 quarterback ever. Um, yes. I'm looking at the game. They're showing uh, fans in the stands in, in Baltimore. And some idiot has a Deshaun Watson Cleveland Browns jersey on. I'm like, really? That That's guy's what you single. Show? That guy's single. It, it definitely looked <laughs> like it, yes. There's no way your wife is allowing you, your girlfriend is allowing you to to wear a Deshaun Watson jersey, right? Yes. I, I you know, I can get it. You can give me all the grief you want about the Ray Lewis. He was proven innocent. And I bought that jersey before any of that happened. This guy already knew the situation and went out and bought a Deshaun Watson Cleveland Brown. Like how big of an idiot are you? That's, that's the only thing. And then you're going to wear it around. I don't, I just don't even get it, Tom. It's just, wow. Out in public. Here we go. I remember the people that wore the Michael Vick jersey. I'm supporting him. You're doing what? <laughs> right? <laughs> like if you had the jersey before time, okay. You know, I'd be a little hesitant, but no, no, no. I am supporting him. Oh, okay. Where's your Ray Carruth jersey? Yeah, exactly. That would be a poor taste Halloween costume, by the way. Yeah, yes. Just all the convicts of the NFL. <laughs> yeah. It's four and three, two is back, Tommy. They put up, the, you know, they, they look good to open this game. They put up quick 13 points. They only scored 16 in the game, though. They were pretty stagnant in the second half. Steeler defense kept them in check. And Kenny Pickett had a chance to win this game in the very last play. Tom, on the last drive, he throws in his third interception of the game. So the Dolphins escape with a home 16-10 win. Yeah, Dolphins escape, and that's exactly the perfect word for it. I think everybody thought two is going to come back. He's going to light him up. He's going to throw five touchdowns. It's going to be a blowout. I thought that Miami was going to be a lot better just defensively than what they showed. And it looked like it early on. It was 7 nothing. I turned the, basically turned the Yankee game on, and I said, I had no reason to look back. And I kept looking back. I kept saying, oh, wait a minute. It's it's 13-3. Oh, wait a minute. It's 13-10. Oh, wait a minute. It's 16-10. That just stayed there. Uh, Miami couldn't do anything. And you look at this defense by Pittsburgh. They are getting a little healthier. And they are starting to get some guys back. You can start to see that defense that has been good for a couple of years. It frustrates teams. It frustrates teams that are unprepared. I don't think Miami was prepared for what Pittsburgh was bringing today. We all thought that it was going to be a down year for the Steelers. Maybe 500, right, Tom? Even though that's not a Tomlin thing. But when when you had the quarterback situation the way it was with Trubisky, who, by the way, got him the win last week, if you really think about it, and, and then you draft pick it, you're expecting, or you weren't expecting Najee Harris to be as bad as he was. Although tonight, in glimpses, he looked like last year's rookie. 
receiving wise, you were hoping that your draft pick Pickens would would figure it out, which he looks like he's done now the last few games. Uh, Fryermuth, another year older and experienced. Claypool coming off a big season. All these weapons that they have, they just stunk badly at the beginning of the year. And you see, you're right. You see, starting to see glimpses of where they're improving here on the defensive side. Pickens has picked it up, and Harris looked a little bit better in the last couple weeks. It hasn't looked better though. And I know he's a rookie, and I know you you want to defend him, and I guess you have to because he needs more time, he needs more data. But but Pickett lost in this, Tommy. Yeah, but Tim, see, I am going to defend him. I'm going to defend him not because I think Kenny Pickett's a good quarterback. I'm going to defend him because last year, Ben Roethlisberger looked absolutely washed up because the Steelers' offensive line was brutal. I mean, brutally bad. This year, Mitch Trubinsky looked terrible because the offensive line for the Steelers looked brutally bad. Najee Harris looks terrible this year. All of a sudden, he just looks like a completely different running back. Why? The offensive line is brutally bad. So then you take a rookie quarterback and you throw him in here, and you go, wait a minute, oh, he lost the game. I think he lost it because the offensive line is brutally bad and they did nothing to address it, Tim. Nothing. So if it was just a one-off, maybe. But you give me a Big Ben. I know he was aging, but Big Ben Roethlisberger. You give me Mitch Trubinsky, now Kenny Pickett, and Najee Harris. No one's doing anything on this offense, and it's not just all individually their fault. It's because the offensive line is just really bad. If you watch uh, each one of these games, that I know that you do, you could see the gap holes they, they leave open. Uh, they're getting beat. They're getting confused out there. It, it was a bad, bad, bad job by the Steelers to go out there and not address offensive line in the offseason. We have the Battle of Ohio next Monday night. We have the Battle of Pennsylvania Sunday morning. Steelers at the Eagles coming off a of bye are the Eagles. Ten and a half point favorite. Whoa. I mean, that's a, that's a jumped-up line, right? Uh, we just watched the Steelers hold down Tom Brady and play real close with them, hold down Miami on the road, play close with them. I know everybody's all over the Eagles, and they should be. The Eagles are playing really, really well right now. Um, I, I can't lay 10 and a half. Not that I have any faith in the Steelers' offense, but the Steelers' defense has kept things close. Do I think the Steelers win the game? Absolutely not. But 10 and a half, that's a pretty big number, Tim. I know how you feel about double digits in the NFL too. It's there's too and much it's room off the for bye week. People automatically just assume, oh, coming off a of bye week, that that coach is going to be great. You know, great coaches are usually great. I I, I bet on Mike Vrabel today. He's eight zero off of bye weeks. So you look at uh, Andy Reid, they're tremendous off of bye weeks. Bill Belichick great off of bye weeks. Are we sure that Nick Sirianni's great off of bye weeks? Yeah, no. Vrabel, Reid, Belichick, Harbaugh, those are your guys. Yeah, I mean, they have the track record. Are, are we sure that Nick Sirianni is going to be able to outcoach Mike Tomlin? Mike Tomlin, since he's entered the league, I gave this out this morning on Sports Garden Network. It was a great stat. Since Mike Tomlin has entered the league, he's got the third best record as an underdog since he's entered the league, right? I mean, he just he, you play the Steelers as an underdog, and now you're getting a massive amount of points in a game no one thinks that Pittsburgh can win. You mentioned Vrabel and the Titans. This was a winner over at TomBartonSports.com. Division win, Tom. Titans now 4-2, 19-10. They beat up on the Colts. Yeah, look, this was a situational spot. They were back at home 
where they're now seven and one against the spread. They were uh, you know, coming off of a bye week where, like I said, Vrabel's eight and oh. They have now beaten the Colts in five straight times. They've covered the spread five straight times. They've bottled up Jonathan Taylor each of the last three times. I mean, you know, there was just a lot of trends. But if you betters out there, start to look at, because I bet this, start to look at first half and first quarter Tennessee Titans. They are scripting plays coming out of the, out of the first quarter, coming out of that locker room, and just going right down the field. They are number one in the NFL at scoring first. They're number one in the NFL at first half uh, 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 scripted plays. I mean, they are dominating. So, yeah, I really did real well on Tennessee this week. I'm not trying to overblow what the Titans are. But, again, you give a team that's sort of struggling but keeping your head above water a bye week and a good coach, I expect them to come out. I expect them to look like they did today, which was like the Titans are looking and staring at a playoff berth. And they looked exactly like that because Vrabel changed the, the philosophy. Vrabel changed things around, and they got the win that they needed to get. Well, they hit the road for another division game next week. Tennessee at Houston. Titans, Tom, minus four. Can't find a reason why I can't slam the Titans here. Yeah, I, I just can't. I can't find a reason. I like what the Texans have shown. You know, I like here, you know, that the, the Texans are, are are that fighty, gritty team. I get it all. I think Tennessee's in that that mode now. I will say this, okay? Um, there are certain teams that match up decently with, with certain other teams. Here's the thing. I think that Tennessee wins the game, but Houston has kept it close. Last, uh, you know, last year, the last time they faced it was a three-point game. Before that, Houston won. Before that, three-point game. Before that, overtime game. Right, so the last four games that they've played, Houston is only one in three head to head. Two of them were three point games. The other one was an overtime game. Let's take the final time out here on a Super Sunday. We will wrap up Week Seven in the NFL and look forward to Monday Night Football, Bears, Patriots, all that on the other side of the break. It's Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio. Second and two on our own 24. What defensive set might we call? Eagle zipper hero, unless the setback shifts into the eye. Good. Third and seven. Oki Thunder Lion. That's your assignment. Kill the quarterback. Hit the tight end so hard his girlfriend dies. Kill everybody. This is Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. A couple more games to go here in week seven of the NFL. Let's go to Washington, Tom, where the Aaron Rodgers retirement tour continues. 23-21, Washington knocks off the Packers. How about this? Tyler Heineke outplayed Aaron Rodgers today, Tom. Nobody can argue that. Statistically outplayed him and got a win. Everybody's been outplaying Aaron Rodgers. Um, he has now had uh, nine straight games thrown for under 275. He looked awful today again. People are going to blame his hand. First, it was the offensive line. Then it was moving. Then it was losing Devontae Adams. Then it was the hand. Now, it, there's a million excuses. You could blame a lot of this on LaFleur also because he's just not using Aaron Jones like we've seen him be used in the past. And Aaron Jones is vital to this offense. But if you watch this game, and I watched it rather closely, there are just plays that Aaron Rodgers is flat out not making. He used to be the guy, and I've ripped him apart for years for this. He used to be the guy that would not force the ball in 
because he wanted his statistics to look really good, right? Just wouldn't, all right, throw it into the third row and, and I don't get a, an interception and that's perfectly fine. I can handle an incompletion. Now he just won't even dare throw it in for whatever reason it might be. So instead of that, they're just not moving the ball. I, I mean, this is what Aaron Rodgers, uh, the, the kind of the earth caving in on Aaron Rodgers all at the same time. His offensive line is banged up. Yes. His wide receivers are young and inexperienced. Sure. Is Matt LaFleur a bad play caller? <laughs> Certainly seems like it this year, but it is still at the end of the day on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. We, we just went around the NFL. We're blaming quarterbacks all over the place or praising quarterbacks all over the place. If we're having the same kind of thing, this is the Aaron Rodgers problem. It is not their defense is getting blown off the field. It is not their running game is not necessarily working. It's not receivers dropping passes all over the place. A lot of this is Aaron Rodgers, Tim. Well, Washington, three and four. Brian Robinson shot twice. <laughs> Unbelievable story. And, and he's, he's out there running the ball 25 times a game. Heineke looked good today. Obviously, Wentz isn't coming back anytime soon. So can Washington make a little run here, Tom? No. No. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Uh, they're three and four. This is a team that has defensive problems. I know Young's coming back, but they have defensive problems. I I, I like the Robinson story. He's not the tell-all in this defense. They got the Colts coming up, Vikings, and, and at the Eagles. I, I'd be surprised if they win one of them. They're not winning any more than that. Then, you know, you got the Texans, which is nice, and the Falcons. They could win those two. And they got the Giants, Giants back-to-back at Niners, Browns, and Cowboys to finish off the end of the year. They may not win any of those games. Um, I'll give them a win against the Giants. I'll give them a win against the Falcons and Texans. That's three. I'll give them maybe, maybe one win in the next three games, which they'll be underdogs in each one of those. So I think the high watermark for Washington here, Tim, would be four. I actually like Indianapolis next week home against Washington laying the four. Yes. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I, and you know what? I've seen it at three and a half, Tim. No. And then the Packers, well, three and four. They're on the Sunday nighter next week. I know everybody saw the those promo spots. Aaron Rodgers going to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen. The Bills, Tommy, ten and a half point favorites. Yeah, look, you got to love Buffalo. I think Buffalo absolutely romps them. Had a week to get healthy. Their defense is coming back healthy. It is in prime time. They want to make a statement. It's at home. Everything's lining up. Josh Allen looks at Aaron Rodgers and goes, I want to take this mantle, you know, from you to be the guy. Uh, Everything lines up for the Bills to crush them. And I gave the stat earlier in the year. The Buffalo Bills before this year uh, where they they got the three-point win, the Buffalo Bills had had a streak of 12 straight games where they either, either won by double digits or they lost the game outright. They're not losing this game outright, so I can see double digits again. Cowboys chasing the Eagles in the East. 24-6 win at home over the Lions. This was a close one, though, until the fourth where Cowboys ran, uh, basically ran away with it in the fourth quarter. But Dak Prescott back, Tom, and Cowboys get the win. They get the cover. And the Lions, well, all the great things people were saying about the Lions at the beginning of the year. This looks like the Lions of yesteryear. Yeah, look, the the Lions had nice things going offensively early in the season. They're still missing Swift. 
St. Brown uh, was out early in this game. He's missed a lot, a ton of time. DJ Chark was put on the injured reserve. Uh, they're walking wounded offensively, and all they had was just these offensive explosion kind of plays. They have a decent offensive line, uh, but the Lions are in a bad way. Again, one and five, staring at another top five draft pick. Lions next week home. Here come the Dolphins, Tom, and the Dolphins three and a half. I mean, you got to like the Dolphins, uh, but I do think it's going to be one of those games where I'm watching the injury report. If Swift comes back, if St. Brown starts in this game, I can see this being a high-scoring game that the Dolphins maybe lose because I didn't see the firepower from Miami this week. Cowboys, Dak 19 of 25, 207 and a touchdown. Pollard at 83, Zeke at 57 and two scores. They're going to be home welcoming in your Chicago Bears, and they are a 10-point favorite. 10 points is a lot to give in the NFL. You know how I feel about double digits. Uh, the Cowboys might have the best defense in the NFL. I don't have a lot of confidence quite yet in this Dallas offense. 10 might be a little bit much here because the Bears tend to kind of keep things close, and the Bears have had a lot of success against Dallas over the years. Uh, but, Tim, I, the Bears could get shut out in this game because the Dallas defense is just phenomenal. And they'll be coming off one less day of rest as well, as we know. The and another travel. Back-to-back travel days, too. Denver Broncos. You know, every week we talk about the Broncos, just how pitiful they are. With Russ, without Russ, doesn't matter. They scored nine points today, Tom. Nothing in the second half. And you've been preaching the defense all year. And again, the defense had them in this game up until the end. They had a they had a chance to win this game if they could have scored. They don't. They lose 16 to 9. The Jets now 5 and 2. Yeah, look, the Broncos, I mean, Russell Wilson earlier in the week, well, he's got to get a shot in his arm, and we don't know what's going on with that. And then it's a partially torn, you know, hamstring. He's got leg problems. He's got this problem. Next week, they go to uh, London. After that, they have a bye week. We're not going to see Russ for a couple of weeks. This thing has just gone sideways horribly for the Denver Broncos. I went on a rant this morning about Hackett and what a disaster this guy was. Uh, you know, just just for for to rehash this a little bit from my sports garden show. Basically, think about this. Javante Williams was leading the NFL with broken tackles when he was, uh, you know, healthy in there this year. But he had to split time with Melvin Gordon, right? For whatever God knows what reason that Hackett came up with that. The most talented running back potentially, you know, in the league uh, had to split time with Melvin Gordon because Melvin Gordon was so good. Javante Williams goes down. Melvin Gordon barely sees the field. It doesn't make any sense. This is not only a Russell Wilson problem. The Broncos' offense is just atrocious. They have an atrocious head coach. Their D is really, really good, so it's hard to bet against them. But the offense is so bad. And it's not a Brett Rippon. It's just the offense is so bad. This is going to be a Brett Rippon game. No touchdowns in this game except for the one busted run that Hall had, 62 yards, pay dirt. They, it was all field goals after that. How about the Jets? You know, the Jets, look. Rippon was the guy. They go into Denver. They get a win. They're five and two. Tom Hall out for the year, though it looks like. Yeah, it, look, I mean, yeah, it, it, that's that's a big blow to the Jets. That is a huge blow to the Jets. He is a really, really good player. Um, uh, now I, I think that they can survive, but look, they've been doing it with smoke and mirrors, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Still, I, I, I said this last time. Look, look at who the Jets have played. 
find me a starting quarterback that they really played. You know, I mean, it really is a hard kind of chore to go down with them. And I mean, it's a nice thing to have a nice record, just like the Giants. But do we really expect this team to last? No, they are doing it with smoke and mirrors. They are standing on a pane of glass and it's probably going to bust. Yeah, 1A, 1B, 1, 1B, whatever. Last four wins. They beat Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. They beat No Tua Miami. They beat up an aging Aaron Rodgers, and they beat up Brett Rippon today. So what's next, Tom? Next, next they get they get Zappy next week. Is that what it is? And a one point favorite. Yeah, it looks like it, right? I mean, it doesn't that look like it? I, and I will tell you what, I don't care really what happens tomorrow night. I think the Patriots all day are the play in this one. Everyone's high on the Jets. The Jets are the better team. They just lost their most dynamic offensive weapon, and the Patriots come in. And, and again, you have Belichick against Wilson, and he's going to be able to scheme for this one and game plan for this one without their number one weapon. Jets have been playing well. They've been playing well defensively. You just named the cast of characters that they just went up against. Zappy or Mac Jones, who I think is coming back, um, it doesn't really matter. It's going to be Belichick against Wilson, and I just think that he loses that every time. Yeah, it's definitely not Belichick versus Robert Sala. Let's put it that way. (laughs) And if it is, yeah, they feel really good about that. And don't get me wrong, by the way, Michael Carter's a decent fill-in here. You know, he's just not the explosiveness of Brees Hall. And uh, this this one got away late for... San Francisco with the Chiefs headed into enemy territory, Tom. And they put up 30 points in the second half. Patrick Mahomes, 423 and three touchdowns. 44-23, big road win. Yeah, we had this in the picks, Tim. I, I like KC. I like what they're doing. Um, I, they are a more explosive offense without Tyreek Hill. We sat there on the Vegas Strip, Tim, during our live show, and I told everybody, Every single coach that I talked to, every th- single person that I talked to uh, that knew something about X's and O's said, Tyreek Hill's gone. Who cares? I mean, he's a wide receiver. Who cares? And, you know, I got a lot of pushback from the guys that we were doing the show with, right? A lot of pushback. And I said, just watch. Well, we've seen that Tyreek Hill really doesn't matter to this Kansas City mm-hmm. team. It, it's it's kind of just at this point, it is their running game. It is their offense um, that needs to kind of be a little, just a little tweaked. Uh, on on the running side, if they do that, Tim, the sky's the limit for this team. You've seen, <clears throat> you said it. Who's Hill? Does it does it matter? Smith Schuster's starting to play a lot better. Hardeman three touchdowns today. They're using him uh, in reverses and shuffle passes. Tommy Kelsey's gonna, always going to be Kelsey, right? So the weapons are plenty there, and, and they're mixing in Pacheco now with with uh, Clyde Clyde Edwards. They're dangerous. That's the problem with KC. Is I don't know who was down on the Chiefs. There were a lot of people for some reason. Oh, we got the best quarterbacks in the AFC West. No, there's one great quarterback in the AFC West, Tom. <laughs> yeah, there's there's basically you know one and one A of great quarterbacks in this league with him and Josh Allen. Everybody else is a distant two. Do you remember that trash the media tried to put out with AFC? Oh, we we have. Mahomes, Herbert, Carr, and Wilson. The best quarterbacks in the NFL, right? All in one division. Oh, yeah. They look good. How's that look? Yeah. They're, they're, they're a little top-heavy, Tim. 
Right, right. Week seven concludes tomorrow night on Monday Night Football from Gillette State, Foxborough. Tommy's Bears two and four. Take on the Patriots at three and three. Seven and a half Patriots right now. You can get them over unders at. Tim? Yes, sir. Oh, I lost you. Sorry. I said uh, Monday Night Football will conclude tomorrow night from Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. The Patriots can get them at seven and a half against your Bears to over under is 40. You know, I don't know if if the Patriots are going to cover this one, but they're not going to lose this game. Uh, Belichick has a chance to beat George Hallis' record. He mean, he he That means something to him. The Patriots have a chance to kind of prove the, the entire NFL wrong, right? Don't they? Everybody in the NFL going, yeah, you can't win this way. You can't win with these kind of players. You can't win with defense, Bill. And he's going, ah, yeah, I can. I'm, I'm actually winning. Their defense is playing phenomenal. And we know about Bill Belichick against, you know, Rookie quarterbacks, but this is a young quarterback, Justin Fields. Belichick is going to scheme for Fields. He's going to take away that number one thing. Uh, Matt Evil-Flusa was talked about this week, and he said, you know, he kind of makes you your best quarterback play left-handed. Well, Justin Fields has looked like he's been playing left-handed all year anyway. It's going to get ugly. I, here's another game where if the Bears score more than 10 points, I think it's kind of an accomplishment against this defense. Some other matchups for next week. Kind of get you that first look. Minnesota coming off a bye. Tom at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Looks like the Vikings are about a four-point favorite. Ooh, I don't like this one at all. Um, I mean, you got to sort of lean the Vikings. But I haven't loved what I've seen with the Vikings. I know they got a nice record. They, they were down in the game with five minutes to go in three straight games. Uh, so they're playing well late, but they're not putting together a full game. You mentioned this one's overseas. Denver, Jacksonville. Jacksonville will be the designated home team. Three and a half point favorite over the Broncos. Oh, man. Yeah, look, the Jacksonville Jaguars have just been shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, Jacksonville's probably the better team here. This is an ugly one. Yeah, Sam Adams is getting his revenge here against the British by sending this game over. <laughs> I, I won't wake up for 9.30 in the morning to watch this. I was going to say they really didn't do us any favors for waking up early to watch these games this year. The the London uh, Europe games, they really gave them some garbage, didn't they? This is pure garbage, yeah. You briefly mentioned it. Carolina at Atlanta division matchup. Falcons at home. Yeah, I can't lay six and a half with the, with the Falcons. I can't. I, I don't love the Panthers here, but I can't lay that much. I think the Falcons are a much better team. But we've seen the Panthers play two weeks now with a new head coach, kind of inspired football. Let's see. I think there's one more we didn't on for next week. Here it is. NFC West. 49ers. Rams. Rams off the bye, Tom. San Francisco, two-point favorite on the road. San Fran has the Rams number, right? I mean, we know the coaching matchups. San Francisco, everybody's kind of like waiting for this team to absolutely explode. Christian McCaffrey's there. It's going to do everything different. I just, look, you know I'm down on the Rams. I've been down on the Rams for years. I love to hate on McVay. But you just gave McVay a week to kind of fix this offense, right? You gave him a week to get things right uh, in this offense, to kind of take stranglehold of this division, and you get him at home. 
Ooh, the Rams are in a dangerous spot here. I, the Rams are a dangerous team, I should say, in a dangerous spot here. Well, that gets you all up, up and ready for week eight of the NFL. We have the World Series starting Friday in Houston, college football. We got the NHL. We got NBA. Man, this is a great time to be a sports fan. And we're going to get everybody out of here early to celebrate the next week, Tom. So with that being said, just a reminder, we are off next weekend, Saturday, Sunday, for the holiday. So we'll talk to you again in two weeks' time. But we got we got some time here. How about you talk about all the things Tom Barton does, including giving winners out on YouTube on Friday afternoon? You don't think I remember yeah, that, but I still yeah, yeah, I'm going with the Believe Podcast Network. I went two and zero this week. Gave one college, one pro game. Uh, I was on, like I said, straight uh, bed sports. Crushed that. Uh, hitting the Titans this week. There, TomBartonSports.com. It's had a phenomenal week, and this is what we've been doing. You said it. Look, we're only uh, seven weeks in. I've had two perfect weeks so far already. Jump on TomBartonSports.com. You get 30 days of every play I give out. That includes the World Series. That includes the NBA coming up. That includes the NHL and every NFL and college football play. And when college basketball comes, you get that as well. All for one price. I don't call. I don't have upgrades, any of that. It's TomBartonSports.com. Go check me out on YouTube. Like my channel there, Tom Barton Sports, and check out the podcast. It's Wagering Week on the Sports Garden Network and want to bet, believe in betting as well. And make sure you check out our social media during the week at HW Sports at Tom Barton Sports. Tommy, how about this? The Timmy Teaser back in the winner's circle after. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. It's uh, the Timmy Teaser's. It, it, it's hanging in there, hanging in there. You know you're going on a run soon here, Tim. All right, Tom, have a great week off, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks' time. For Ryan back in the studio, always hooking us up, Tim Munglesby. You're listening to it, Heatwave Sports, only on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Talk to you soon.